0: Hey, welcome back to Creative Trek, and this will be the last episode for 2015. Um, I just want to thank all of you for being such loyal listeners for, to the show. Uh, it's been an incredible journey and ride. Uh, creative Trek uh, this past year was really an experiment for myself. Um, being an artist, I you know I wanted to learn from other creative professionals and hear their stories and insights. And I hope you guys took a lot away from the inspiring guests I had on the show. Also, I wanted to uh, make a little announcement that uh, going forward in 2016, I, uh, I'm i going to be cutting back on the show a bit. Um, the reason why is the one lesson that I pulled from this year throughout through all my guests was the importance of focusing and pursuing your own work. And. I, I can't stress this enough. This has been something that I've been putting off for a long time. I've, you know, I've been a higher gun concept artist in the game industry for over a decade. And, uh, a lot, as much as I love that work, everything I create, I don't own. And I think it's really important to build your own business and brand around your art. You know, like I said, solve a problem out there, you know, serve a need, serve an audience. And with that you will own everything you create and every piece of work is a product that can give you passive income for the foreseeable future it's evergreen it you know it's not something you create once and then you are just paid for it once it's something that you can actually build a brand around and every guest has stressed that in the show and so my resolution for 2016 is to focus more on my own art business and I hope you guys focus on yours as well. I mean, that's kind of like what the show was about. It's kind of an inspiration and a reminder that all of us have a wonderful gift and we need to use it. Uh, I also want to thank my, you know, the two people that helped me put this show together uh, Jessica Fong and Arik Barilko. You know, without them, I couldn't have done this. I probably would have stopped six months in. Uh, but with their, you know, their dedicated support and help with the show, you know, it's, it is what it is. And so on that note, without further ado, let me introduce, uh, my next guest, my last guest for the year, uh, Thomas Flewharty. Uh, Thomas is a prolific illustrator that I found on Facebook. I don't know how I found him on Facebook, be- maybe because his art just blew me away. But he is, he's, he's not somebody that's unknown in the art world. He's a very well known, established illustrator. And he, his work has graced the covers of everything from Time, Mad, US News World Report, Village Voice, just to name a few. And he, you know, his pop icons and his characters are just amazing. Not to mention, Thomas is one of the nicest artists I've ever met. Total character, really fun guy, Uh, instant. I mean, we hit it off right off the bat. And uh, I'm I'm proud to call him one of uh, my new friends. So some of our talking points today uh, revolve around the idea how you shouldn't do art for art's sake, Um, how art really can serve a purpose in this world. And, you know, good art moves people or it solves problems. Um, we also talk about how closed doors and perceived lost opportunities are really often blessings in disguise. And Tom shares with us some of his, his struggles that he had that he thought were lost opportunities but ended up turning into even greater ones. And lastly, success is amazing and we all strive for it, but you got to be really careful not to strive for the wrong thing because being successful at the wrong thing is actually a disaster. So, without further ado, let's dive in. Let's get to know Mr. Thomas Fluhardy.
1: Um, well, obviously, I grew up. I mean, not that it's obvious, but I grew up in Ohio. You know, I was born in California, grew up in Ohio, and I just drew all the time. It was just what I did. You know, I played sports. Um, you know, and and felt like you know I was I was talented at certain things, and and. Uh, but I just, I just drew. That's the one thing I really could do, right? And so, uh, somewhere in, in sports. So between that and baseball, uh, you know, uh, I eventually, uh, stopped, do, uh, drawing and uh, somewhere around the eighth grade, I started doing drugs and, you know, things just fell out of my life because my passions became more about getting, you know, high, more around the 10th grade. And so, when drugs came in, the things that I loved doing just sort of fell away. And so, uh, at this point, uh, I would go into a art, I, I signed up for an art class uh, in the 10th grade, and I would go to this art class and just be completely stoned out of my mind because I was getting high during lunch. And when I would go into this art class, though, there was this art teacher, and she would say, she, she would give out an assignment of like five drawings, and I would hand in like uh, two, and I would get like A minuses on them, and she'd say like, Tom, you should do something with this. You should, you should do something with your art. And, you know, so it, it was, it was the one thing I really knew how to do was draw. And I, and, and then so. You know, this one friend was like, hey, my friend draws. And I said, oh, I draw, too. So this is, again, at the same time, 10th grade. And I went and drew this uh, sort of this uh, fantasy sort of um, uh, dinosaur or uh, a monster, you know. And that got me thinking about it. So when this teacher kept sort of prodding me and urging me on, she said, oh, by the way, there's a vocational school for the 11th and 12th grade. You could go there and you could do art full time and you don't really have to do math anymore. And I was like, math sucks. I hate math. So it was like, I, I would love to do art full time. So really the cool thing is these teachers started getting in my head and so 11th grade I I go and show my portfolio uh, the the few drawings I had and especially some from as a kid and they they looked at my work and said great we want to have you come to the uh, vocational school so I went to the vocational school 11th and 12th grade I did art all the time we did we did mechanicals you know key lines they were called at the time Uh, you know like for a production we learned printing we learned drawing we learned uh, design we you know we did logos we did business cards, everything was geared at the uh, Montgomery County Joint Vocational School around art, you know? So I was like, this is awesome. And so I really, I started like playing sports again, you know? And I, I, I was still drinking and things like that, unfortunately, as a, you know, 12th grader, which was stupid. But, basically i started having this passion for art and i was like i really want to be an artist and uh, you know an illustrator and you know i was turned on to illustrators like maxville Parrish. my teacher would show me i never heard of him bob peak and i was like man these dudes are awesome this is really what i want to do and so uh then my father was like uh you know he he says tom you're going to go to school art school one way or another and um he uh he was uh he would actually see my drawings and cry uh, because I started getting a lot better being around you know, serious um, thinkers of art. And so basically, uh, he started working at this bar again, managing this bar. And then, and then out of the blue one night, he was killed. He was murdered. And um, because he was murdered on the job, uh, I was able to go to school for free. And so this door opened to me all of a sudden to go to art school. So I went to uh, Pittsburgh, Art Institute of Pittsburgh. And, uh, and it was, it was crazy that all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to school for free. I want to be an illustrator. I'm turned on to all these, you know, I have amazing teachers, you know, I'm thinking about art I'm I'm, I'm blown away. You know, I'm like, this is really what I want to do. And, uh, so, um, you know, I, uh, I, basically I, I finished art school, um, uh, this one this uh, I, I, you know I learned how to do comps to storyboards that's a whole other story right. uh, I started doing markers because this one this one uh, art director that I talked to said you know um, you know I, look I like your, your Mick Jagger drawings but I don't buy Mick Jagger drawings if you can if you can do markers your foot is in the door so I went back to art school started doing markers um, and just graduated as uh, as one of the top illustrators there that was my goal uh, and then uh this one place was supposed to hire me in, in Pittsburgh. They never did. I was supposed to do, you know, like um, um renderings for the newspaper, you know what I mean? Like black and white renderings of vacuums and stuff like that. And it never happened. They kept blowing me off. And so... Finally, my friends were like, Flew, you really want to live in New York City? Send your work to New York City. I look in the black book. It was this um, little book that advertised all the top agencies and studios in New York City. And I found Gem Studio. And they had great draftsmen. And um, I sent them my resume along with this other place in New York City. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call from this really gruff New Yorker. You found Flew already? Yeah. He's like, you draw? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I draw. He's like, you draw out of your head? I said, No. And he's like, uh, well, come on up. We want to interview you. So he he flew me up to New York City. Um, I met Ken Bald, who's – the he he drew uh, Dr. Kildare. It was just crazy. So he hired me. I'm working with Ken Bald, who's one of the top illustrators in the world, very famous, friends with Stan Lee, best friends with Stan Lee. And uh, I, I sat there for 13 years. And and just was frustrated to no end, dr- drawing things out of the blue. Like storyboards are insane, but they teach you how to draw and construct from the ground up. It was absolutely crazy.
0: I have a question. I mean, it sounds like who is the teacher that got you focused on art back in the day? Who Do you remember yeah. their name?
1: Yeah, Shirley Harbaugh. Well, the, I, the, Wow. There's a crazy story here, but I, I don't have time to share it. But it, basically, my 10th grade teacher was Shirley Harball. Uh, I've since connected with her. Um, so Shirley Harbaugh, and then there's Helen Stamless, which was my 11th grade teacher. And then Jack Welbaum, who's still an art instructor, but Jack Welbaum said, you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. And so I, that, that was new to me. Right. Um, so I was just, <laughs> those three teachers just completely are, uh, I hold them guilty of, of leading me in the, the, uh, you know, a, a cool art direction, you know, like, yes, I'm guilty. I did that. So they did it. Right. And so, yeah. That was, uh, you know, teachers are completely underpaid, but amazing, right? Yeah. So, anyways, those are the ones. And, and a real quick side story. This is crazy. Um, come to find out, I get this drawing in the mail uh, 40 years uh, later. I did this drawing as a first grader. And uh, it was from uh, my first grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Geiger. And I said, and she sent me this drawing out of, the ma- in the, out of the blue in the mail. And I'm like, Mrs. Geiger, I called her up. What in the world? You, you, you scarfed my drawing. You stole this drawing from me when I was, you know, first grade. Why did you do that? And she says, well, it felt like your drawings were different than the other people's, other, other kids. And I was like, that's crazy. She goes, by the way, um, me, uh, Sh- Shirley Harbaugh, your 10th grade teacher, and Jack Welbaum, your 12th grade teacher, his wife, we all three were sorority sisters. And we all have been following you. that blew my mind isn't that crazy yeah it's wild insane so anyways I'm just simply saying there's these weird bizarre journeys of uh, connections you know in the journey
0: exactly exactly I want to ask you if it's okay and touch upon um, you know your dad's murderer
1: yeah yeah Um,
0: you mentioned like that must have had a profound effect on you in school
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My goal after that was to be, now now this isn't, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but my goal was to be the best illustrator that graduated in my class. So it wasn't so much a matter of uh, a pat on the back and, hey, I'm better than you. It was a matter of, this is for my, my father, right? Right. Because I realized like, this was, this was something I was doing for him and obviously for me as well, but it was a dedication to my father and, um, Yeah so it it was definitely the focus of of uh my um my wanting to be you know really uh um, uh, um accomplished and studied
0: right i think and i think that's extremely i mean that's honorable that's a ma- that's amazing and that's a similar story i hear from very from other successful people is they're not in it for themselves right it's not that it's to pad their own ego or be yes. the best of all time it, there it there's always a root to it or um, I like to call it the the Private Ryan effect, right? Yeah. Uh, saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. So he wanted to make sure his li- he was living a good life for all the men who sacrificed theirs for his. Right. And I think that that's a beautiful story. I think that's, I mean, that's why you are so amazing. I mean, ah, thank you to have that kind of drive and fire uh, in your belly to uh to make the most of it, and um, the f- sacrifice your dad made for that is. I think that's it's just beautiful. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I I think I've seen that to create and to do something outside of a selfish motive. It's a complicated uh, it's a complicated pursuit. But I've seen it happen over and over again when people become a little more selfless or self, tr- not for the sake of self, for others beautiful things happen right it, yeah. magic happens i mean Armand's a perfect example of that and that that's a beauty i even wrote him and said Armand, that that was i i love your work everybody loves your work but that was the beauty of the interview you know doing it for your son yep. and the beautiful things happen out of that right yep. it, it's it's an amazing reality for me that yeah. those things are selflessness is uh rewarded in one sense right
0: Exactly. I mean, that was the key to his success, right? He had tried and tried and tried. And, you know, it never went anywhere until he finally just went, forget it, I'm doing it for my son. Exactly. And, and then after that, things started connecting, right. things started happening. Yeah. yeah, it's very true. I mean, one thing I, we like to always reiterate on the show as I do is um, trying to, you know, don't do art for art's sake. Right. Try to you know have it solve a problem, serve a purpose, or fill a need out there. Right. Right. And uh, and and if you build around that, then your art and your talent, like anything else, any other craft, is is a tool to get you there. Uh,
1: Exactly right. Art. Put it this way: art is awesome. Art is beautiful, and art is a gift, right? But it'll never satisfy you completely. It's not given for that reason, right? And, and it, I could come in my studio and, and just get lost. I could be exhausted, walk in my studio and I'm on fire. All of a sudden I could just get lost and start creating for four hours and I'm exhausted. Right. But I just get lost in the moment and it's beautiful and art is awesome, but it's not my chief satisfaction, right? Like it's, I can't abandon my family, I can't abandon my, my, my faith, and I can't abandon my wife and just come down here and create so I get likes on Facebook or whatever. In other words, it's not, it's not, that's not why it exists, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a gift, it's a beautiful thing, but if we serve art and bow down to it and just and just give ourselves to it, we're going to become broken and spent and ugly. At least that's my opinion But I also have seen it played out that way as well. You know what I mean? Like there are greater things in art, is what I'm saying. You can't just do art 24 seven and be a jerk because no one cares about you. Nobody wants to be around you. But you got your art. Hey, you're married to your art. You lost. In in my point, you've lost. Right at that. So, anyways, it's my opinion, but it, it is true.
0: I'm so happy we are in complete alignment on this and I think it's a message we ne- as professionals need to share more with the young artists coming up, right? right I mean right. we see it all the time in young artists. We were there ourselves, you know. I you know, it's often a pissing contest we get into and who's better at the craft or right. you know, And the the sad reality is and the truth is you're never going to master your craft. Ever. Absolutely. Right. Even if people deem you as the best, you're never going to be the master of it. Right. And, exactly and so it makes you kind of reflect then why are you doing it in the first place and i think that's a great question more young artists need to ask themselves why am i doing this what am i right. what what am what am i really serving by right. doing this or what do i want to serve mm-hmm. by doing this
1: right exactly
0: so on that note you know you know you've had a really colorful career you've been in professional storyboard artist for what do you say 30 years or so 30 Um, yeah what what was the point in your career that made you just kind of go you know change gears and and make that huge pivot into doing what you're doing now
1: well dissatisfaction first of all um you know i let let me just be clear um i hate storyboards right (laughs) i I hate them (laughs) I hate them at four a.m. I hate them when I'm driving to 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 go out on a date and I get a phone call that says, "Hey, there's going to be 15 frames due, and you have to cancel your plans." I hate it then, right? But storyboards, put this way, storyboards are my friend because here's what they do: they I, I own the pitch house with with four other partners and. The pitch house is uh, you just Google it. You'd see what we do. But we work for all the major agencies in the world. And, and one of our major agencies is O of New York. We do. I did the Guinness commercial with the lone soldier that comes back and, and they've been reserving this table for him. And uh, they finally, uh, he, the soldier comes back and gets his table. But we do Guinness, FedEx, AT&T. We do all these top commercials you see on TV, uh, Bud Light, all this stuff. And it pays a lot of money. And, but it's short, short um, moments of commitment. And then it frees me up to do what I really want to do. So there's this momentary frustration and 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 complicated drawings and nuts, right? Like a thousand people, draw, I'm drawing in 10 frames, I'll do it 4 a.m. or whatever. So I, it's become my friend but i have to i have to phys- you know physically and mentally just deal with the frustrations and the tight craziness but then it frees me up for a couple of days um, a week or whatever to go do what i really want to do and that's that's so that's how I've learned to do that. The other thing is I, I teach a schoolism, so I'm diversified my 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 skills to, to make money in a few different arenas. So I teach a schoolism because why I love teaching. I love helping kids to see uh young artists, uh, older artists, whatever. I love talking about it. And so I, I teach a schoolism. The other thing is I still do editorial. I don't, I don't view myself as an illustrator because I felt like that was confining. And that was, that was, that was, that 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 hindered me. But when I started thinking of myself as a painter and I got schooled classically, then I I started becoming better because illustrator for me was a term that had baggage with it and it, it only went so far. So as I, as I look at this, these ways that I've diversified my, my skill and how I make money, I also do editorial. And, and so I'm an illustrator on those days and I love it. I love caricature. So. Anyways, as I do editorial, that's another arena. And then there's then there's gallery work, which is what I'm going for right now. And the gallery work is more my passion. It's like I love painting. I wish I could get paid to paint paint every single day. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, in oils, you know. So right now I'm uh, I'm just I'm on fire because I have these passions of like this is crazy. I see like a picture. Someone posted a picture of um of Venice, my friend, and I was like, this is so cool. And I saw it like in my mind. I could just see it. And I was like, that's crazy. So I did a quick, quick sketch with life in it. And I'm like, I'm gonna blow that up, put it on a canvas and paint it in five hours or six hours so that it has life to it. And it's not noodle. It doesn't take me a month to do and I lose life in it. I, I want my, my paintings and my imagery to have passion and infused with joy, right? So that when people look at them, there's this sketch quality in them that they're not even aware that they're looking at. And they're like, this is crazy. This is cool. What is it? And because there's life and infusion in it, you know what I'm saying? So, so it's like, those are the things that I'm doing now. Those are, those are, those are the things that consume me. So when I watch shark week, I'm like, this is, these sharks are insane. I said, I've never drawn a shark. I'm going to wake up in the morning and draw a shark, woke up, did a shark, I actually had another friend over that was, um, studying a little bit with me and I said, look, I'm going to do a study of a shark for you. And I did a study of a shark. I gave it to him and that started it. And I was like, cool. So then I Googled sharks and then I went on Instagram and saw this guy, um, uh, George Probst who, uh has a, a site, I photograph sharks and they're all great whites. So these things started like blowing my mind. I started looking at them, watching them, sketching them. And then like I did, I just, I didn't, I didn't worry about a painting. I just said, let me get in a groove of drawing these sharks. And I just drew pages and pages and pages. And as a, as my, as I'm waiting on, 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 a, on an okay on uh, storyboards, I'm, I'm drawing these sharks as I'm, My wife is in Target. I'm sketching sharks. as I'm, you know, using the bathroom. I'm sketching sharks, right? I'm just trying to get in a groove of understanding these creatures. And then those sketches start becoming more believable. I start posting them online. People start, like, really loving them. People are sending me their shark drawings. People are responding. And I'm like, this is crazy. I didn't set out to do this. But there's an interesting thing here that happened. The reason why I started doing sharks as well is because I had this rejection that was supposed to, I, I I don't know what it was. I can't remember. I think it was a, there was an opportunity that was supposed to happen. And had that opportunity happened, uh, it, I would have never had the time to draw these sharks. So because of that situation, that was a sort of a rejection, um, it allowed me to not just gloat on that sort of failure or that sort of, uh, woe is me. I didn't make it in that show or whatever. It just, it just allowed me to sort of really do the coolest thing that was in my heart and in, in, in things just blew up from there. So at this point now I'm like, I'm like, you know, 10 or 11 paintings in that are like, I'm, you know, so that's what I mean. And I got all these sketches. So I have people saying, Hey, you know what? I might, I might want to show those to somebody that has a gallery and blah, blah, blah. So it's that's, you know, it's crazy. Like this, it's almost like I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to do paintings on sharks and I'm going to be the shark guy and I'm going to have a show. Not at all. I just, you know what I mean? Like these things, if, if they're genuine and they're true and you're, and you're connected to them emotionally and you're passionate about them, it's undeniable. People will notice. Like this is crazy, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying, Sean. Well, no. You know, like if we can do a, find what we love to do, uh, I, I'm not like in a box. Like, no, I'm only going to paint pop culture. I'm only going to paint, you know, Bono from You 2 You know, it's like, no, well, wait, I might, I might want to do this for a day. This is really cool. So, anyways, these are things that sort of are moving me, you know, right. at the moment. So, right, yeah.
0: No, no, I I completely relate to that. I I would have to say that. I mean, I haven't shared this very often on the show, but one of the origins behind Creative Trek was kind of the same thing. You know, it was was either, you know, you didn't get that next job or that, you know, you got laid off. I got laid off and I had plenty of time. And and I just was kind of wanting to take a break from art for a little bit, but I wanted to keep learning and growing. And I genuinely wanted to make more connections, get to know all these amazing artists that I've known. known of for years but never had the opportunity to reach out to and that was the birth of creative track it was more like my own personal creative track right and i just kind of brought along everybody else who wanted to listen Yeah, yeah (laughs) yeah and so because of that time i mean i had like five months of just like okay let's do this and i didn't Prospect for any work or anything. I just focus on the podcast. And it's amazing what it's turned into. And it's, like you said, it's uh, sometimes, you know, missed opportunities or the door closed on you is really, there's another door that's wide open. That's right. And if you, you don't want to sit there and wallow in your rejection or or what ifs of something that you were striving for. Often the things we strive for sometimes are not the paths we need to be going down. Right. 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 And the bigger opportunity is standing right there. If you will, you know, recognize it. And, uh, I think that's a great lesson. I think it, it kind of touches on, you know, the, uh, you know, I always ask my guests one of their biggest failures. And I think, you know, you know, just not getting that, having that missed opportunity or that, that missed job or whatever it was for you, but it inspired a whole new series of work that connected with a whole new audience of people, and I think that's that's the gold right there.
1: Yes, right, right.
0: Yeah, that's no, right. very well, very cool. So, Thomas, um, our time is really running short here, but bef- you know, we could talk for hours, and I know you have tons of stories, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have you on again because. Uh, awesome. You're, you're, you're quite a character. I, I love your voice impersonations. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And, uh, um, but before we do, I want to just maybe we could just go through really quick and maybe if there's little insights or quick value bombs or advice you, you want to drop on our audience here. Um, one thing I always like to ask is, uh, um, what, what's the best advice you were ever given?
1: That's awesome. Well, I mean, as far as advice, you know, for me, like what governs my life, you know, like what governs, you know, advice, like, so for example, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I have a faith in, in, in Christ. So when Jesus says, don't love, don't love art where you just lose everything in your life and art becomes your chief satisfaction and your chief pursuit there, there, you know, this, this governs my life. Why am I doing what I do? You know, why I'm doing it and the motive of why I do what I do. Right. And so I have to ask myself these questions, what's moving and motivating me. So this advice of, you know, living my life to make, to make God known and to make him known, those things govern my life. Like that's the advice, the the words of Christ. Those are the things that sort of, that's the advice. I mean, that's the advice that rules my life, you know, who he is. That's, that's, that's why I live. That's why I paint to, to make him known and to be friends with my friends who may not believe what I believe, but to love on my friends, you know, and, and to, to be, to be a genuine human being and to, to, to make him known the advice that the words of Christ, those are the things that govern. That's the advice I follow, you know, who he is. Does that make sense? I don't know if that answers what you're asking, but it's it's not like I found advice in a book and now I'm following this. um, You know, it, you know, I'm basing my life off of a thing. Uh, There, there is, there is one sort of thing that comes into my mind uh, a lot and it's, it's 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 something that uh, this this, uh, this guy said one time. He said he he fears succeeding. Success is awesome, but f- succeeding at the wrong things is 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 a scary thought. So yeah. I I want to make sure I live my life for for the things that matter, and that whatever it happens to be for each individual person. But for me, the things that matter—that's what I want to succeed at. And so, that's the sort of the wisdom that I, 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 I follow and, 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 and gear my life towards, the words of Christ, you know, the words of Jesus. That is what governs my life. Does that make right. sense?
0: That makes complete sense. That's, that's, that's great. That's exactly what I was looking for. Because there's always some other, you know, there's got to be a driving fire or, or perspective in all of us. We all have it. Right. And, and like you said, we, we were talking earlier, you can't just do art for art's sake, Right. right. That's there's, exactly right. There's gotta be a higher reason. Yes. Um, and um no, very well said. Uh so my I'll just get into my last couple questions here as we wrap up, but um do you have like I mean as artists we, we, we collect all sorts of books and right. um I wanna ask you, is there a if, if you could leave one book with your family um or your or your friends um, and yet, and you pa- after you passed away, what would that one book be?
1: Well, that's a vague. I mean, it's a, it's a broad question. There, there. Are, obviously, I, I think the scriptures. You know, the, the the holy. You know, the Bible is is a, is a, is a book that's obviously. You know, it's the word of God. I would I would give that to my family. But creatively speaking, Purple Cow is by Seth Godin. Uh, the the number one book that I give give out in my painting class give out in my drawing class purple cow by Seth Godin it's S E T H G O D I N I don't know if this is what you're asking but Yeah
0: it, no go ahead it's this fine. is
1: yeah. this is the book this is the book that um, you know when you um, it, it's helped me to think about not just creating art but but just how to be as an artist and as a creative. And so the premise of the book is basically this. Seth Godin is a genius marketer, probably the best in the world. He speaks at Apple, IBM, everywhere, Disney, Pixar. He, this dude's brilliant, and he's a marketer, so he's written all these books. But he wrote Purple Cow. You can read it in maybe an hour and a half, two hours, right? So basically the premise of the book is um, creating something remarkable that makes somebody remark Make make a remark about it like, wow. Right. And so his whole point is when he went over to France with his family, he's driving through the countryside. France is amazing. The countryside is incredible. Look at that cow. Look at that cow. Oh, man, that cow is awesome. And they were blown away. After an hour, two, three, they saw cows. They, there was, they they were tired of them. They, they had seen cows before. But had there been a purple cow on a hill, that would have caused them to make a remark. That would have caused them to say, whoa, check that out. So as we create, as we think, as you read this book, it helps you to think, how do I separate myself from all the voices, all the yelling, all the, all the big nose caricatures, all the crank this up to this volume? Everybody's screaming, but nobody's being heard. How do you create something remarkable? How do you create something beautiful? How do you create something different? How do you think? And it's all a matter of thinking. And so that's really what this book is about. And it got in my thinking. It, it's, it's affected me. Everything I do. He says something in the book like, you know, you need a to don't list. There's going to be things you don't do. You're going to use your time extremely wise. I'm going to, I'm not going to just going to do a caricature to put it on Facebook because it's so I can get 500 likes or two or whatever. Right. I'm going to make sure I use my time for the purpose of what I want to accomplish and where I want to go and what kind of work I want to get. Right. So that book is really the crux, the center of my creative life, I would say.
0: Yeah. No, I love that book. I think all of Seth's books are amazing. Um, yeah. He also has this, uh, this, I don't know if you've seen it yet. It's online. It's free. If you, I think if you just Google stop stealing our dreams and it's uh, basically a rant, it's like a little manifesto he wrote, um, just attacking the education system completely. Wow. And talking about how, um, he's really a big proponent in, Against education in terms of trying to make everybody thinking the same, everyone's standard. And he, I, Purple Cow is great. And like you said, for my audience out there, it's a, it, it's it's breaking through the noise. How do you differentiate yourself from everybody else? That's right. You know, you don't want to compete because if you compete, it's a bloody bloody ocean out there, and it's very noisy and highly competitive. That's right. You want to go into the other pond where it's blue <laughs> and differentiate yourself, stand out from the crowd. And he has another great book, I think, um, uh, I don't know, uh, something about how to, you know, being weird is cool or wh- what's it called? Um, I can't remember right now. But uh, it's it's in the same kind of tone where right. it's like, embrace your weirdness, you know, right. be different. Uh don't be like everybody else. And that's great advice for young artists because as artists, we look at each other's work and we're always in awe and we're always trying to learn each other's styles and techniques, but you got to be careful not to be just another derivative of another artist, especially when you have art directors out there saying, well, I want another so-and-so. Can you paint like so-and-so? Yes. Right. That's That's, a huge trap. Terrible. Yeah. No, great book. I totally agree. Um, my last question for you, and it's kind of, um, there's no right or wrong answer, but it's, it's, it's kind of a big one. Uh, I want to ask you what your definition of art is, and if you see yourself as an artist, uh, why, why, um, why do you paint? Why, why do you create art?
1: Yeah. Well, it's been nice. It's been a great interview. See you later, Shaq. <laughs> uh, no, look. Yeah,
0: drop drops the mic. Don't.
1: Yeah, I look. Everybody has a definition, and probably everybody's definitions are are good and right, right? So I'm not showing up like, hey, I got to figure it out. My definition's right, and everybody else's is wrong. So it's it's sort of a subjective. Question, and it's it's it is a great question, and it's something I've thought long and hard about. I've had numerous conversations with uh, my buddy, really good buddy Kevin Sacco, and, and especially another partner of mine, Ray Ray Ketchum, who the great artist, and we've talked just thousands of hours about this. Right? Just what is it? You know. So I, I actually I wrote it down because I've been trying to sort of define it. What what is it? At least from what I've seen. What is it? So I, I think this this explains it for me. So, anyways, it just says art is really not just about a sketch or a painting or a sculpture. Real art becomes truly art when it moves us. Art becomes art when it's infused with something, infused with passion and joy an emotion or intensity, and it does something to the viewer and it moves the viewer or it makes you cry or it makes your knees buckle when whatever joy and passion is moving the artist as he or she creates moves the viewer. That's when art really defines art. That's what I wrote. I feel, I feel it. I've thought about it. I think for me, that is when I've seen art and that's what I, want to happen but but that's tricky to make that always happen but i'm just simply saying for me to define it that's how i would define it
0: i agree well thomas we got to wrap up um i know you got to get back to painting probably a whole you know (laughs) legion of paintings right now in your studio um but uh, i want to really just acknowledge you for not just the amazing work you create but Sharing your incredible story and insights and uh just advice on on how you live and why you create and um I just want to thank you thank you uh, well,
1: thank you sean it's a, it's It's really an honor to, uh you know to have you uh inquire about my life and and um my pursuit so thank you very much my friend
0: thank you and uh, you know I had to get to know who this other dog guy was you know <laughs> That's
1: a whole nother interview, right?
0: <laughs> whole nother interview. All right, Thomas man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And awesome, um, John. and uh, tell our audience real quick where they can find you before we go.
1: Yeah, uh 2704. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh you know, thomasfluhardy.com It's my new site. Uh it's pop culture, it's got editorial work, children's book work on there. So Thomas I'm on Instagram at Thomas fluhardy I'm on Facebook. Uh, under Tom Hardy. There's another Tom Hardy that's a drywaller in Minnesota, Missouri or something. That's not me. <laughs> I can't do anything like that. But all I got is art. Uh, but yeah, either one of those ways, I think you can you can connect. Shoot me a friend, connect. I'll, I'll
0: connect with you. Awesome. Awesome, well, thanks, Sean. Thanks for the time today, Thomas.
1: My honor, my friend.
0: Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would really encourage you to go over to creativetrek.com. Drop me a note. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you're struggling with. I would also like to know what your goal is for 2016. What do you guys want to accomplish in 2016? Uh, Is it a project? Is it a career? Is it your craft? Let me know. Uh, Also, don't forget we have a new resource page over on creativetrek.com and there you'll find a bookshelf with many of the links to many of the books that our guests and myself recommend. Also, a resources section where you'll find platforms, publishers, uh, all sorts of uh, valuable um, websites and tools and tricks to help you along your career and your uh, your business. Lastly, uh, I want to wish... Uh, Thomas uh, and thank him for his valuable insights today and on his note about time this is the time to sit back reflect and focus on what's most important Uh, look back on 2015 and close the door on it and let's look forward to 2016 and focus on what's what's really important to you Uh, it's really important to take these times to step away from the work and know that you're going to come back to it and have a new perspective on it And, uh, so on that note, I want to thank all of you who've been listening, avid listeners, loyal listeners to the show. I want to wish all of you a happy new year. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful 2015 and let's get out there. Let's be prolific and make your mark in 2016.